If you have a Bible with you this morning, please turn to the Gospel of Luke. If you don't have a Bible, you can just slip your hand up in the air and one of our ushers will bring one to you. Uh, I've been preaching through the book of Luke. That's what we typically do uh, here at this church as we preach through different books of the Bible. We believe the whole Word of God uh, is for our benefit, so we want to try to hit all the different parts in the different books. Uh, we are in the book of Luke now, and we're in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, will be starting in verse 1, reading all the way through verse 8. Luke 18, verse 1. Before we read, let's pray. Father, we thank you for every opportunity to come uh, to your word. We do believe, Father, this word has been breathed out for our good, for our eternal good. We believe that through your word, we know you both as creator and as redeemer. Uh, we need you, Lord. We need you. Every time we come to your word, we need you to uh, enlighten our hearts by your spirit. And we just ask that you would do it this morning, that you would uh, fill our hearts with light so that we might comprehend amazing things in your word. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes... Will he find faith on earth? Amen. When it comes to uh, living the Christian life, when it comes to living as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus Christ, one thing that is absolutely critical is prayer. I don't think it would be possible for us to overstate the importance of prayer in the Christian life. Prayer is absolutely vital. J.C. Ryle says, Prayer is the very life breath of true Christianity. Prayer is where Christianity begins. Prayer is where Christianity flourishes. Prayer is where Christianity decays. Prayer is one of the first evidences of true conversion. And neglect of prayer is the sure road to a fall. When it comes to living the Christian life, living as a disciple of Jesus, prayer is critical. And, and Jesus knows it. Jesus knows that prayer is vitally important for his disciples, so Jesus teaches on it a bunch of times in the Bible. Jesus has already taught on it several different times in the book of Luke. And here in this passage, Jesus teaches on prayer once again. This passage can be divided into three main parts, I believe. A a parable or a story about prayer, 
the main point of the parable and then an application of the parable. And the first thing that Luke actually gives us here in this passage is the main point or the central lesson of the parable. So first thing he gives us, main point or the central lesson of the parable that Jesus is going to teach on prayer. Before we look at the main point or the central lesson, let me just kind of set the context here for just a second. In the passage right before this one, at the end of Luke chapter 17, Jesus was teaching his original disciples about his future return to earth, his second coming. Jesus indicated to his disciples there at the end of chapter 17, he indicated to them that he would be leaving this earth soon, ascending back into heaven after his death and resurrection, but he would then one day return to earth sometime in the future, a very sudden, a very unmistakable return like lightning when it lights up the sky, Jesus said. Everyone would see it and everyone would then know beyond a shadow out of a doubt that Jesus had returned to this earth. So Jesus was just teaching his original disciples about his second coming. And here at the start of chapter 18, Jesus is still teaching his original disciples, but now he starts to talk about prayer. He's going to teach his disciples this, this little parable or this little story about prayer. But before Luke actually gives us the parable, Luke gives us this, this little introductory statement that, that basically gives us the main point or the central lesson of the parable. If you look at verse 1 again, Luke says, and Jesus told them a parable to the effect that, or, or Jesus told them a parable to teach them that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And Luke has basically just given us the main point of the parable that's coming. What's the main point? What's the central lesson? Jesus was teaching his original disciples right here. He was teaching every disciple in this room this morning to pray always and not lose heart. Disciples, pray always. Pray always. Pray at all times. Pray constantly. God tells us all over the Bible to pray always or to, to pray constantly. Romans 12, 12, be constant in prayer. Colossians 4, 2, continue steadfastly in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. God really wants followers of Christ to pray always. And when God tells us to pray always or to pray constantly, he's not saying that you have to walk around 24-7 mumbling prayers under your breath or something like that. Your children come up and ask you for peanut butter and jelly and you respond with, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Okay, he's not telling you, when he says you got to pray constantly, he's not saying you have to mumble prayers 24-7. I, th- I think Jesus is simp- I think God is simply saying that as disciples of Jesus, we should aim to maintain 
a regular habit of prayer in our lives. We should aim to maintain a prayerful frame of mind in our lives. A a constant, regular communion with God in our lives. Maybe setting aside a specific time each day to devote yourself to prayer. Uh, a morning or evening quiet time of some sort, but also just praying throughout the day at times when you, you need help with something. Father, I have no idea how to do this thing at work. Will you please help me? Will, will you please give me wisdom so that I can do this? Will, will you give me strength today? Just, just asking throughout the day for, for help or, or praying for people who come to your mind throughout the day. Somebody writes you an email and says, please pray for me. You don't just write back and say, yes, I will, and then never do it. You stop and actually pray, and you write them and say, I just prayed for you. Uh, praying for people throughout the day, praying for forgiveness throughout the day when you know that you have sinned, or thanking God for things throughout the day. It's a beautiful day. Thank you, God, for a beautiful day here in Minnesota, or, or just talking with God throughout the day, or listening to God throughout the day. Praying always, a prayerful frame of mind at all times. That's how Jesus lived. Jesus prayed always. Jesus frequently set aside specific times to devote himself to prayer. On many, many occasions, Jesus would go up on a mountain and pray all night and things like that. He would devote specific times for prayer. But Jesus would also pray throughout the day. He, he, would, he would pray at every important event in his life. Do you know when you go through the book of Luke, you can find Jesus praying at every single major event in his life? At his baptism, he is praying. He's he's praying before he chooses his 12 disciples. He is praying at his transfiguration. He's praying at his death. He's praying after his death and so on. Jesus prayed constantly, always. And Jesus is telling us right there to do the same thing. Disciples, pray always. And don't lose heart, Jesus says. That could also be translated as, don't give up. Pray, disciples, and don't ever give up praying. Don't ever quit praying. Continue in prayer. Persist in prayer. Endure in prayer. Persevere in prayer. A tenacious, resolute, dogged determination to pray and to keep praying throughout your entire life. Persevere in prayer, disciples. And you know, when Jesus told his original disciples there to to persevere in prayer, when he told his original disciples not to lose heart, not, not to quit in praying, I think Jesus was probably thinking of a particular period of time. I think he was probably thinking of a particular period of time when his disciples would be tempted to lose heart in prayer. A particular period of time when his disciples would be tempted to quit praying. I think Jesus was probably thinking right there of the period of time when he would be physically absent from this world. At the end of chapter 17, Jesus was just talking with his disciples. 
about the period of time that would occur after he ascended into heaven and before his second coming. He was talking with them about the period of time when he would be physically absent from this earth. And this passage right here is a continuation of that teaching. You know, it's, it's easy to think when you look at this passage, easy to think this is a totally new subject right here because we just started a new chapter. But you have to be careful with those chapter breaks in the Bible. Those chapter breaks were not there in the original manuscripts. They can throw you off. Those were put in later by the translators of the Bible. This stuff in chapter 18 is a continuation of what Jesus was just saying in chapter 17. I think Jesus was encouraging his original disciples here to persevere in prayer or to continue in prayer, particularly during his physical absence from this earth, during the time when he would not be there with them in flesh and blood, the period of time in which we now live. Man, Jesus knows here, Jesus knows here that that during his physical absence from this earth, his original disciples would be tempted to lose heart and quit praying. Why? Lots of reasons probably. I think Jesus knows that his physical absence from this earth will last longer than his original disciples expected. His return to earth will be delayed longer than they expected. I think Jesus also knows that that many times during his absence, when they would pray, they would not receive the types of answers to their prayers that they expected. And for all of those reasons and more, I think Jesus knows here that during that time, the time in which we now live, his disciples would be tempted to lose heart and quit praying. And in this passage here, I think Jesus is probably saying something like this to his original disciples. I think Jesus is probably saying something like like this to every disciple in this room right now. Disciples, there is going to be a time when I am not with you here on earth in flesh and blood. Now I will be here with you in spirit, I will send the Holy Spirit to be with you and I will return to you someday in flesh and blood at my second coming. But there will be a time when I am physically absent. And during that time, disciples, you must pray. You must pray. You must pray always. And listen to me, disciples, during that time when I am gone, you will be seriously tempted to quit praying. You will be tempted to lose heart and quit praying. Because my absence lasts longer than you expect, because you won't always receive the answers in prayer that you expect, and because of all kinds of other reasons, you will be tempted to lose heart and quit praying. You will be tempted to believe that I am maybe not, in fact, coming back again. You you will be tempted to believe that that, that maybe all of this Christianity stuff is, is just some sort of crazy hoax. You you will be tempted to believe that, that God is not, in fact, listening to you. Or maybe even tempted to believe that God doesn't even really exist. 
in my absence, disciples, you will be seriously tempted to lose heart and quit praying. And you must not do it. You must not quit praying. You must pray always, constantly, constantly, constantly. Continue in prayer. Endure in prayer. Keep praying. Pray always, disciples, and don't lose heart. Do not give up. You, you must persevere in prayer throughout the entirety of your lives. So that's the first part of the passage here. Luke gives us the, this main point, I think, the, the, the central lesson of the parable that he's now going to give us. Pray and always don't lose, pray always and don't lose heart. And now the second part of the passage here is the parable itself. You look at verse 2 again. Jesus said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him. And saying, give me justice against my adversary. Stop there. So two distinct characters uh, in this particular parable here. The first is a judge and not a good judge. Down in verse 6, Jesus calls him an unrighteous or unjust judge. Jesus says there in verse 2 that the judge neither feared God nor respected man. The judge will even say that about himself. Down in verse 4, I neither fear God nor respect man. And that's not a good judge. That, that wouldn't be a good judge here in America right now. And it definitely would not be a good judge back in this first century Jewish culture. You know, it, it's likely that this judge here was a Jew, and most first century Jews knew that God commanded them in the Old Testament to love him and to love other people. And this judge really did neither of those things. He didn't fear God. He didn't truly love God, but he also didn't respect man. He didn't truly love man. He didn't love God or other people. And listen, the fact that Jesus says here that, that this judge did not fear God is incredibly significant because according to the Old Testament, the fear of God was the primary qualification for a judge in Israel. When King Jehoshaphat appointed judges back in the Old Testament, he appointed these judges and King Jehoshaphat, he said to these judges in 2 Chronicles 19.6, Consider what you do, judges, for you judge not for man, but for the Lord. He is with you in giving judgment. Now then, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be careful what you do, judges, for there is no injustice with the Lord our God. The fear of God was the primary qualification for a judge in first century Israel, and this judge here did not have it. He was not a good judge. He was an unloving, ungracious, unmerciful, ungodly, unrighteous, unjust judge. And the second character in the parable here is a widow. Widows back in first century Israel... They, they, they were some of the most helpless and, and defenseless and, and vulnerable of all people. They had no husbands 
to provide for them. They were oftentimes very, very poor and needy. And the widow here in this parable has some sort of adversary or opponent who is committing some type of injustice against her. Widows in Israel were frequently oppressed and taken advantage of by other people. In Luke 20, Jesus, Jesus talks about these men who devoured widows' houses. The, these men who, who somehow took control of widows' houses in some sort of unjust manner. So this widow's opponent was probably taking advantage of her in some way, committing some sort of, of injustice against her. So what does this widow do? She goes to the judge to get justice. (laughs) And she doesn't go just once or twice, but over and over again. Jesus says the widow kept coming to this judge. A persistent, persevering, unrelenting plea for justice. Now, I think you could just picture this widow pleading for justice everywhere. Not just in a courtroom. Probably in a courtroom, but outside of the courtroom. When she sees the judge on the street, she sees him in the marketplace. She's banging on his door into the night. A constant, incessant pleading. Give me justice from my adversary. And Jewish Old Testament law, it required judges to give justice to widows and to others who were in distress. But at first, this judge refuses. You look at verse 4 again. For a while, the judge refused. But afterward, he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. He wouldn't initially give her justice because the Old Testament told him to. But because she kept coming to him over and over again, bothering him, pestering him relentlessly, annoying him, getting on his nerves, this unjust judge here finally gives up. says, okay, enough. I'll give you justice before you beat me down with your continual coming. <laughs> I love the Greek there. A literal, a literal translation of that passage there would be this. I will give her justice so that she does not punch me under the eye with her continual coming. This judge is like an old boxer. And at this point in the match, the the boxer, he is punch drunk. Okay, he's wobbling because of this widow's incessant pounding on him. Okay, all right already, I'll give you justice. Just quit punching me, you little widow. You know, if you ask a person for something long enough... Over and over again, you might just get it, even if they don't really want to give it to you. (laughs) And kids have absolutely mastered that strategy. 
Can I have some candy, Daddy? No. And you know what happens then? The kid then simply disguises the question in different words and asks it a million more times. Okay, can I have a Tootsie Roll? No. That's candy. Can I have a Snickers? No. Milky Way. Twix? Butterfinger, Three Musketeers, Kit Kat? Payday, Baby Ruth, Crackle? Just a couple nerds, maybe? Maybe just one M&M. Dad, there's M&M. Can we just one M&M right here? How about just a pinch of sugar? Could I have that? Please? And, and you know what it is. It's just punching you in the eye over and over again. This little three-foot-tall human being just beating the living daylights out of you. And man, you cave. Parents, you know how it goes. Now, there are times you're resolute, no, 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 and you'll say no to the day you die. There's other times you just give in, man. The kid just beats you down. All right, I give. Yes, eat all the candy you want. I don't care. Rot your teeth with it. Just stop talking to me. Ask me how I know. Kids have mastered it. And you know what? It's not just kids who've mastered it. Philip Ryken tells a true story about a rancher in Powder Bluff, Colorado. His subscription to National Geographic ran out. And the computer system that National Geographic was using to generate and to send out renewal notices, well, the computer system malfunctioned. You know how many renewal notices the man in Powder Bluff, Colorado received in the mail? 9,734 renewal notices from National Geographic. And he finally traveled 10 miles to the nearest post office and mailed them a check. Along with a note that said, I give up. Send me your magazine. That's basically what this widow just did here. This poor needy widow beats down this unjust judge with her persistent, persevering, unrelenting pleading, and he caves, and he gives her justice. So that's the parable. The main point of the parable, then the parable itself, the the third and final thing here in the passage is an application of the parable. Jesus now applies this parable to his disciples. He's applying it to his original disciples. He's applying it to every disciple here in this room. Look at the middle of verse 5 again. The unjust judge just said, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And Jesus now says, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And you can probably see what Jesus is doing right there. He's just giving us this this basic how much more type of argument. If this unjust judge here gave justice to this widow when she pleaded with him with perseverance, how much more? How much more will a perfectly just God give justice to his elect or give justice to his people who plead with him with perseverance? 
Jesus is just drawing a simple contrast here. A contrast between this judge and the widow and God and his people. This judge here was a terrible judge. But no, unloving, ungracious, unmerciful, unjust. And listen, this widow here, this widow was probably just an insignificant nobody to this judge. This judge probably didn't know this widow in the least. He didn't care to know this widow in the least. She was completely anonymous to him. Just a, just a, a, a pesky little mosquito in his mind that would not leave him alone. But because this widow kept bugging him, he finally gave her justice, not because he wanted to. He just wanted to get rid of the mosquito. That was it. But God, man, God, unlike this judge here, God is not unjust. He's, he's just. He's not unrighteous. He's righteous. And, and God, God is perfectly righteous or just. God is infinitely righteous or just. And unlike this judge here, God is also perfectly and infinitely loving and gracious and merciful. And man, the the people of God, unlike this widow here, the people of God are not insignificant nobodies to God. They're, They're not anonymous, pesky little mosquitoes to God. People he doesn't know at all. People people he doesn't care to know at all. No way. Each and every last one of God's people, each and every genuine disciple of Jesus, each and every genuine believer who trusts in and follows Christ, they are all intimately known by God. And intimately loved by God. And if you genuinely trust in Christ today, if that's you, you are a disciple of Jesus today, then you are intimately known by God. You are intimately loved by God. God knows you by name. And and God knows everything about you, believer. He he knows your deepest thoughts. He he knows your, your, your deepest desires. Your hopes, your, your, your dreams, your, your, your fears. He knows your worst failings. He knows your worst sins. He knows your best strengths. God knows everything about you, believer. And God loves you. He loves you deeply. God loves all of his people with an unfailing, unwavering, unending steadfast love, uninfinite love, uneternal love. God loved his people from all eternity before the earth was ever even created. God loved his people. Jesus Jesus calls God's people here, he calls them God's elect or God's chosen. God's chosen people. Before the earth was ever created, God chose a certain people. God elected a certain people to eventually be brought into his family through faith in Christ. 
Paul says it in Ephesians 1.5 that God predestined his people for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Before the earth was ever created, God sovereignly decreed to bring a certain people to faith in Christ. Sovereignly chose to adopt a certain people into his family as sons and daughters. Before they were ever created, God loved them. The very special, steadfast, unwavering, infinite, eternal love. And listen, if you genuinely trust in Christ at some point in your life, then that's you. The Bible would say that you are one of his elect, one of his chosen people. And before you were ever created, God loved you. He loved you with a very special, steadfast, unwavering, infinite, eternal, eternal love. We don't have time to talk everything there is in the Bible about God's election. can concern you. Am I elect or am I not? Here's the answer. Trust in Christ today. Trust in Christ today. Go there. The Bible commands you to trust in Christ. And after you trust in Christ, you can turn around and say, Wow! God must have loved me from all eternity. I love Him now because He first loved me. Trust in Christ today. Man, God has known his people from all eternity. And and, and God has loved his people from all eternity. Christ died for God's people because he loved them so much. And Jesus is saying to us here in this parable, man, that if this unjust judge here, this terrible, horrible, no good, very bad judge, If he could give justice to this widow who was an insignificant, anonymous little nobody to him, when she pleaded with him with perseverance, how much more? How much more will God, a perfect judge, loving, gracious, merciful judge, give justice to his people? The people he has loved from all eternity with an infinite love. How much more will God give justice to believers? People all over the world who trust in Christ and follow Christ. How much more will God give justice to the disciples of Jesus who cry out to him day and night and plead with him with perseverance? Jesus says here in verse 8, I tell you, God will give justice to them speedily. Speedily. So disciples, I mean, those, those of you who are trusting in Christ now, Jesus is trying to tell us something here, and here it is. God will answer your prayers. God will answer your prayers. God loves to answer your prayers. He is not bugged by your prayers. He is not burdened by your prayers. He does not turn a deaf ear to your prayers. No, God hears all of your prayers. And God loves to answer your prayers. You are his child. His precious son or daughter. He gave his one and only son for you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He knows all about you, and he still loves you deeply, infinitely, unwaveringly, 
And God will, without a shadow of a doubt, answer your prayers, believer. Now, he won't necessarily answer them the way you like. God can answer with a yes. God can answer with a not yet. And God can answer with a no. But God will answer all your prayers. Matthew 7, 11, If you then who are evil, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to His children who ask Him? So disciples, followers of Christ, let me encourage you, pray! 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 Jesus is trying to encourage you to pray. Bring your requests to God. Bring your prayers to God. Pray always. Pray at all times. Pray constantly. A regular running minute by minute communion with your heavenly Father who loves you deeply. And don't lose heart in prayer. Don't ever, ever quit praying, disciple, during this long interval between the first and second coming of Christ, during this long season when Jesus is not physically with us, even though it might seem at times like Christ will never in fact come again, even though it might seem at times as if all of this Christianity stuff is a hoax, even if it might seem at times as, 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 that you are not receiving the answers in prayer that you expect, even though it might seem at times that God does not in fact love you, even though it might seem at times that, that, that God is not listening to you, even though it might seem at times that God does not really even exist, do not quit. Do not quit. Do not quit. Pray always. Pray at all times and do not lose heart. Cry out to God day and night. Pray for yourself. That's fine. Pray for your family. Pray for your friends. But man, don't, 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 don't just pray those types of things. Pray kingdom prayers. Jesus tells us how to pray in his word. Oh God, may your name be hallowed on this earth. Oh God, may your kingdom come on this earth. God, may your will be done on this earth. Kingdom prayers. At an old seminary professor, Derek Thomas, he said that, man, a lot of times our prayers, they're really nothing but organ recitals. You're just praying for people's organs all day long. Aunt Betty's liver, Uncle Ben's kidney. Yes, pray for those things. Yes, yes, yes. But don't stop there. May your prayers be lifted up higher. May you pray kingdom prayers. God, advance your kingdom through our church. God, advance your kingdom in my home. God, advance your kingdom in my neighborhood. God, bring the lost into your kingdom. God, raise up the disciples here in this church to maturity. God, advance your kingdom around the globe. Pray, disciple, pray. Cry out to him day and night. And Jesus says here that God will answer speedily. Now, might not necessarily seem like a speedy answer from your perspective. <laughs> Remember, to God, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. So speedy to God is not necessarily speedy to us. But God will answer speedily from His perspective. Pray with perseverance, and God will answer your prayers speedily. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't actually say here that God will just answer your prayers speedily. He doesn't say that. 
Man, it would be easy to read over this passage and, and, and just kind of walk away and think, well, Jesus is telling you that God will answer your daily prayers speedily, but Jesus doesn't say here that God will just answer your prayers speedily. What does he say? He says that God will give you justice speedily. He will give you justice speedily. Jesus actually says it twice here in this passage. Verse 7, will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night. In verse 8, I tell you, God will give justice to them speedily. We actually hear the word justice four times in this parable. And I think Jesus is getting at something in particular there. I, th- I think Jesus was probably thinking there once again about this period of time when he would be physically absent from this earth. The period of time in which we now live. Jesus knows here that all of his disciples who live during this time when he is physically absent from the earth, they will go through some difficult things in this life. And one thing they will face on a daily basis, is some serious injustice. The widow in the parable here had an opponent or an adversary of some sort who was taking advantage of her in some way, committing some type of injustice against her. And I think Jesus is probably telling us there that his disciples would also have opponents or adversaries who would take advantage of them in some ways, committing injustice against them. And that's just the way it is for Christians who live on the earth during this period of time. That's just the way it is. We we see injustice all around us in this world on a daily basis. We oftentimes experience injustice committed against us in very, very personal ways. Many Christians around the globe right now are experiencing some horrific acts of injustice committed against them. That's just the way it is for Christians during this period of time when Jesus is physically absent. Injustice, taken advantage of, oppressed, hated, slandered, ridiculed, mocked, despised, beaten, kicked, spit on, and even beheaded by ISIS. We will have many opponents or adversaries in this world. We have one big adversary or opponent, the devil, who hates us with a passion, who will attempt to commit all kinds of injustice against us on a daily basis. But we will also have lots of little adversaries or opponents, people who, fueled by the devil, will also attempt to bring injustice against us. And please listen. Our adversaries or opponents will actually do it at times. They will. 
And the person who tells you you will never suffer as a Christian is lying to you. Our opponents will actually do it against us at times. If you are a Christian, you will feel injustice in your life. You may suffer injustice after injustice in this life. And, and, and when, when we do suffer injustice in this life, disciples, what should we do? I think, I think Jesus is trying to tell us right here. What should we do when we suffer injustice in this life? Don't return evil for evil. Don't return injustice for injustice. Don't try to exact a revenge for yourself in this life. Now what should we do? Go to the judge. Go to the judge. The perfect judge. The perfectly just or righteous judge. Go to God. And cry out to him. Cry out to him day, day and night. Cry out to him. Give us justice, God. Give us justice from our adversaries, God. And Jesus says here that God will give us justice speedily. But here's the thing. That does not necessarily mean that God will stop all the injustice in our lives today. Right now. He might he might stop some injustice in our lives right now when, when, we, when we plead with Him to do it. God, man, God can certainly remove opponents right now and He might do it occasionally, but He might not. When Jesus says here that God will give us justice speedily, He's not necessarily talking about today. Right now. You know what Jesus is talking about right there? His second coming. He's talking about his second coming. His return to earth. That is the day. That is the day when God will ultimately remove every last bit of injustice from this earth. That is the day when God will ultimately remove all of His and our opponents or adversaries for good. And that day is coming speedily. Not necessarily speedily from our perspective, but speedy from God's. And man, until that day, we will continue to suffer injustice. And we must persevere in prayer. We must persevere crying out day and night over and over again give us justice god give us give us justice from our adversaries come quickly lord jesus come quickly and you know what during this long period of time when jesus is physically absent when we continue to see and experience injustice after injustice we will be seriously tempted to lose heart and quit praying. Where, where's the justice, God? Where is it? Where are you in my suffering right now, God? 
Why are you silent in my suffering? Do you even exist? Do you listen to anything I say? Where are you? Is all of this a hoax? Do you even exist? Where, where's the justice, God? Don't you know people who, Christians who are suffering brutally right now, don't you know that temptation goes through their mind? Where's God? Where's God? Where's God? Revelation 6.10, the martyrs who are now in heaven, those who have already been slain for Christ, those who have already been beheaded for Christ, Revelation 6.10 says that they are right now crying out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long? How long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on this earth? How long, O Lord, how long? During this long period of time, man, we will be seriously tempted at times to lose heart and quit praying, we will be tempted to walk away from Christ. And Jesus is saying to us here, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't lose heart. You dig down deep. You persevere. You must persevere in prayer. Continue in prayer. In, endure in prayer. Re- regardless of what you see or don't see. A tenacious, resolute, dogged determination to pray and to keep on praying throughout your entire life. Pray always and don't lose heart. Pray for yourself, your family, your friends. Pray for God's kingdom. Pray for justice. Go to the judge and call out to him day and night. Give us justice, God. Come quickly, Jesus. And someday soon, speedily, like lightning across the sky, Jesus will return. And he will give eternal justice to all of his people for good. Persevere in prayer. Man, you know the sad truth is that there are a lot of professing Christians on this earth who will not do that. Lots of people on this earth who will say for a time that they have faith in Christ, but they really don't. And at some point in time, they will walk away. Lose heart, quit praying, walk away from Christ, proving that they never really had a genuine faith in Christ. And Jesus warns us about that right here. Did you catch the last thing he said in this passage? And Luke starts the passage by telling us that we should pray and not lose heart. And Jesus finishes the passages, verse 8, with this. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find people praying on the earth when he comes? And you see what's going on there. Jesus has just drawn a direct link in this passage between prayer and faith. Prayer is an evidence of faith. Prayer is a sign that you have genuine faith. Prayer is an indication that you truly do believe that God exists. Prayer is an indication that, that, that you believe that God really does love you because of Christ. 
prayer is an indication that you really believe that God will listen to you in Christ. Prayer is an indication. You believe God will answer your prayers because of Christ. And you pray because you have faith. Prayer is an evidence of faith, a sign of faith. And please listen. Wherever there is no genuine prayer in the name of Christ, there is no genuine faith in Christ. A person who does not pray is simply not a Christian, no matter what that person says. J.C. Ryle says, quote, A prayerless man must never be called one of God's elect. Let that never be forgotten. End quote. Jesus will return to earth someday to give eternal justice to God's people. To give it to all those people who truly have faith in Him. And man, do you you know what Jesus will be looking for when He returns? Prayer. He'll be looking for prayer. Because those are the people who have a genuine faith. When Jesus finally returns, he he will find faith on this earth. He will find people praying. Many professing Christians will have lost heart and quit praying, but those who truly have faith, they will be praying. Jesus will find faith on this earth when he returns. But listen, the, the question, the question that I think God is probably asking all of us here this morning, out of this passage is this. When Jesus returns, will he find faith in you? Will he find you pray? Will he find you persevering in prayer? Pray always, in and through Christ, and do not lose heart. And God will someday give you eternal justice speedily. So, Father, we thank you for your word. It cuts through false things. It gives us light and understanding and truth. No, Father, we know, we know from your word that we are called to engage in prayer. Can't do that on our own strength. It's only by the strength that your spirit will supply that we can be prayers here at this church. But we know, Lord, you have asked us to labor according to the grace that you supply. And Lord, we do ask that you would help us to labor in prayer. Give us the faith that will produce great prayer in our individual lives and in this local church body. And when you return, Lord Jesus, may you find us praying. May you find us waiting for you, waiting for justice that only you can bring. And we do thank you, Lord, that you will bring justice and make everything in this broken world right someday. Come quickly, Lord Jesus.